0: Welcome back to season 10 of the prepare podcast. I'm your host, Heather Hanton. We are in our series on mental health and today I welcome captain Heather Montenegro and her daughter Hannah to the podcast. This mother daughter duo has some really great insights and will take us through their mental health journey from both a mom's perspective and from a young woman's perspective. I'm also going to get in on the conversation and I'm thrilled to have my daughter Taryn joining us to be a part of the discussion. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Heather and Hannah. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, we are so glad that you're here um, with us today to discuss mental health. And we're excited to hear about the journey that you've been on, both as a mother and as a young woman. I'm also very excited to have my daughter, Taryn, on with us today as well. Welcome, Taryn. Hello there. And you also have some really great thoughts about this topic, um, having been through your own mental health experience um, over the last two years or three years, really. But before we get into all of this, I just want to give our listeners a little idea of who you are, just to get to know you just a little bit better. So, Captain Heather, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll have Hannah share a little bit and then Taryn, you can share.
1: Yeah, so I'm Captain Heather, uh, Montenegro. My husband and I have been officers for, oh my gosh, almost 15 years. We'll be majors in June. Oh my so gosh, I feel wow. Like old. Uh, we were commissioned with the Gods Fellow Worker session so shout out to all my session mates out there who might be listening. Mm-hmm. And um, we have we had two core appointments and we've served at CFOT and we've served at divisional headquarters and two different divisions and currently we're in the Kansas and Western Missouri division. And I am currently the Divisional Program and Women's Ministries Secretary, been in this position since July, and it's a very exciting position uh, to be working with the program and the women's ministries in the area. I myself am an officer's kid. My parents served um, as officers for, I believe, 42 years before they retired, and yeah, so salvation, born and raised in the Salvation Army. It runs in my blood. It's who I am. It's part of my identity of who I am. What else about myself? I have three children. My husband and I, my husband's Javier Montenegro. We have three children together. Uh, Javi, who is 17, Hannah, who is 14, and Lucas, who is 10. They're all very different in their own right. Mm Javi is very much like his dad and introspective and witty unexpectedly witty very right. yeah but funny it really so is. yeah and Hannah is bold and audacious and loves to be in theater Love and that. lucas is our party in a box he lives his life <laughs> like he's in a musical that's amazing and is ready to for whatever adventure we're on did i get you think i described you off yeah yeah. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. That's a little bit about myself. Awesome. And Hannah, what about
0: you? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Um, I'm Hannah Montenegro. I'm 14 years old. I <laughs> I like to do art. And like my mom said, theater. I really like to listen to music in my free time. And um, I also like hanging out with our dog, Henry. Aww. Our mutual therapy dog. Yeah. <laughs> we can get into that later. I love yeah. it. Um, I'm about to go into high school, which is scary, but exciting. I really like to read. Like, Reading is probably my favorite subject. Writing, not so much, but reading is really fun. Mostly poetry.
0: Nice. But, yeah. That's awesome. All right.
3: Taryn, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Tan. Taryn. <laughs> And I am 13, um, also going to be going into high school soon, which is exciting. And reading is something that I love doing in my free time. Not my favorite subject, but science is probably my favorite subject. And I love writing, and I love spending time with people. People are fun. (laughs) And I like listening to music and singing and occasionally, I like playing my instrument.
0: <laughs>
3: occasionally.
0: If I'm feeling here.
3: adventurous, I'll play my instrument. <laughs> All right. Good. Okay,
0: so let's get into our discussion here on mental health. And, you know, I think this topic is so important to keep talking about because I feel like we need to disarm the stigma or misconceptions about people who experience any kind of mental health disruption, um, and also we need to learn how to speak from a place of compassion and acceptance uh, when it comes to this. And a lot of times, uh, people look at mental health or even mental illness, and it and it's such a negative thing. You know, all of a sudden, it's this this big scary thing when. Mental um, health and mental illness can take so many different forms. It's so broad in, you know, what people go through. Um, But I just do want to pause here for just a minute and say, listeners, I am not a mental health professional. I do not have a license to be a counselor or anything like that. I've taken a few classes, I've read some books, um, and I've actually you know, gained my own experience from just being on my own mental health journey. But I am in no way an expert, nor are we here to diagnose or treat in any way. This is just a safe place for us to share our experiences so that um, we can encourage one another and let others know that they are not alone, right? I feel like that's really important. So in definition, mental health is defined, and this is, get.
1: Buckle up. So. <laughs> Buckle up, buttercup. Buckle up. Yes. On our journey.
0: Okay. So it mental health is defined as a person's condition with regard to their psychological and m- emotional well-being. Okay. I feel like there's a lot. It's not a lot of words, but it feels like there's a lot in there.
3: There's a lot to unpack.
0: Yes. We know that there are many different areas to this and no one person's journey is the same, especially when you consider things like age your home life, your so, even your socioeconomic status, your gender, or even race can come into that if you've experienced trauma or loss. Um, even our physical health, I feel like that can play a huge factor in your mental health. All of these things and much more, please, that's an abbreviated list. But all of that can put one's psychological and emotional well-being at risk.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So Heather and Hannah, we want to know, we want to know about your story, your experience with this topic, and I'm just going to open it up and I'm going to let you have the floor and you can just share as much as you want to, um, your story about your mental health journey.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate the space to talk about this. It's been really a passion of mine for a while. Uh, serving as the divisional youth and candidate secretary during the height of the pandemic just really brought this conversation to the forefront um, because not only was I Navigating what that looked like for youth within our church um, and in our faith community, but it was unraveling within our home as well. And I would venture to guess that that is so in so many people's homes. I, I, I think there was a problem, anyways, but COVID just like kind of ripped the band aid off, I think, in so many people's lives. It certainly did in our family. And I don't think we're at the end of it, right? Like COVID is still affecting families and the fallout of what that meant for our youth. I think we're going to see for years to come. And as you mentioned before, I think it's really important for us to normalize the conversation.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And for me, it's a part of biblical hospitality. Yes. It's it's a part of creating safe spaces and places for people to share their story for us to listen through the lens of, um, empathy and to, uh, just make a place for, for people to be seen and heard without judgment. (laughs) And I think that that's, that's hard. And in our own walk together, that's been a key, a key piece, listening and hearing each other without judgment, because, sometimes we don't see the eye to eye and when it conflicts with our faith tradition or it conflicts with what we've been taught in our faith communities, it compounds itself. So how do we learn to empathize and communicate in a space where we might not see eye to eye? Is that fair, Hannah? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I've been on a journey for a long time with my own mental health and, um, I pretty much have dealt with anxiety my entire life, undiagnosed anxiety, uh, my entire life. And I think my parents just weren't given that knowledge. It was so different, right? It was. In the 80s and 90s. (laughs) It's things
0: that you just didn't talk about. You weren't diagnosed. And I think of my own parents who I feel like were undiagnosed.
1: Right, right. And it's no shame on them. It's they could only do with what they had knowledge of. Right. Mm -hmm. And I tell my mom that all the time when she feels bad. I'm like, Mom, you did the best you could do with the the resources and knowledge you had. So there's no blame in that. It's just that that's what it was. And so I lived my life trying to navigate anxiety on my own. And then there were some traumatic events that happened within my faith community. So I went through a phase in my young adulthood where I was suicidal. And I had to navigate that. I had a core officer that was, I mean, she physically slept in my bed with me so I wouldn't have to be hospitalized so that she could say, Heather will be safe through the nights, and really got through that with therapy. So that's kind of my own walk that I, I've had history of that in my own life. Um, and at times it has come back, right? Like, um, maybe not fully, sui- not having suicidal ideations, but definitely where anxiety has brought me to a place of where I thought, gosh, I'd rather be in heaven than dealing with this here on earth. And so just kind of living in that tension of what that means in my faith journey. And then probably about five years ago, would you say it is, Hannah, when you really kind of came to terms with what you were feeling?
2: I think five is fair enough. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So would you want to talk a little bit about what brought you to that space?
2: Yeah, I mean, I also have struggled with like anxiety and like also ADHD. So I was kind of like a really bold and like, outgoing kid. Like I was the one who would stand up in class and like, just be like, Oh, hi, everybody. You know, and it was like, that really um, pushed me out of the crowd. And, you know, but I, I found I found some people who who did make me feel comfortable for a while, but um, it did end up um, leading to, like, things that wasn't so good. It was, like, a toxic thing that happened. And And you were exposed
1: to maybe some ways of thinking or some patterns that were unhealthy.
2: Yes. Not from a specific friend. Yeah. Right. So, and, you know, I don't blame that friend. I think hurt people hurt people yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah Mm -hmm. so no I don't blame that friend but it was really it was really tough for a while especially because it felt like a lot of pressure to be able to take care of that friend and so I wasn't taking care of myself and that's when my anxiety was like through the roof and so I fell into a pattern of self-harm and um very like unhealthy ways of thinking and you know like there was days where it was like yeah I was like I don't want to deal with this you know I'd walk to school thinking about you know the road is right there you know I could just like step in front of a car oh my goodness it was really yeah. terrible yeah yeah and then we moved away from that situation right and it it was kind of it was bottled up for a while where it wasn't as bad, but you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like anything had been solved. And then I started really struggling with my faith and people in, in the faith community. And that brought back a lot of anxiety for me, especially because, you know, sometimes there's pressure that like, you shouldn't be struggling with faith. Mm-hmm. There, there was like that thing in the back of my mind, like you should just believe this which is it true like it's completely normal to ask questions but i didn't i didn't think that then so i just felt like stupid and unwanted
0: mm. let me just ask you a quick question did you feel that way because you were you're the pastor's kid yeah i think that's a really good point to make i feel like there are a lot of kids out there who have strong christian Parents. They're in the church and they're you would be consider them godly people. And yet their kids are still questioning, they have these faith questions. We don't talk about that enough either. So thank you for sharing that. Your perspective on feeling like you're not allowed to have those questions. You are absolutely allowed to have those questions.
1: And part of it too is my husband and myself, what we're learning is as much as we try to create a space in our home where we have open conversations, it's still unconsciously or subconsciously, we still were putting blocks in that because of our own fears. Because we are thinking, okay, we are leading congregations. We are teaching, we are preaching, and we have to have answers for these people who are asking questions. And if if in our own home there's question or unbelief or just a differing in that, it, it's like, how do we stand and say, you know, you need to believe this and this is how you na- need to raise your kids, but the, <laughs> it's like not congruent, right? And so there's also a part of it where we're trying so hard to make sure that our kids are believing what we're teaching. And then also, I remember saying to the counselor, Hannah, Hannah's been in therapy with a, we do a family counselor. We've been with Dr. Wendy for about five years. Yeah, it's been a long time. And she's a Christian woman. And I said to her, you know, it's hard because in the back of my mind, there is kingdom consequences. There's li- there is eternal consequences if we don't get it right. If we don't teach our kids the right way, if we don't get them to believe what we believe, there's eternal consequences for that. And so that puts an extra level on a parent to get it right. And so we had our own pressure. We were wearing as we're trying to walk this with Hannah, who's like, I just want to explore. I just want to question. And we're like, yeah, but you we want you to go to heaven. So let's work this out right now. Right. <laughs> so there's like, it's like so complicated and what that means.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I was struggling a lot with my faith and I was struggling a lot with my identity. And so, you know, my anxiety started flaring up again. And suicidal ideation and some self harm again, and so I was hospitalized. And can I just say that like it wasn't like a like a padded room, <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Right. Not what we anticipated. Like, yeah, it wasn't at all. And and you know it was it was scary. Yeah. To to go and you know the hospital wasn't right by our house, so it wasn't like. We were there right away. It was like I had I had to sit in the car and contemplate and fear. Yeah, like I had that time to really be like, this is not happening right now, and and it was scary. And there was definitely people in there who needed help as much as I did. And it was scary at first, but the people there really helped me like open my eyes more. It I think the things that they said were like, yeah, I should know this, but I I don't, or like I I refuse to know this. Like I deserved something worse than this. But but the way that they would they would teach us and they would sit us down, it was really like a community of people helping each other get better, like being there as supports. And as like just building each other up, so yeah, I was hospitalized, and then after after I got out of the hospital, I went to a outpatient where it was just like more like lessons, discussions. It was about group. Mental, yeah, it was yeah, it was a mental health group. And um, because I was getting so much better, I was able to like see everybody else getting so much better too, and it was like. I realized that it didn't have to be the way it was before. And like, wow, this is so much better, you know? And so now it's been a year since hospitalization, like a year and a little bit.
1: Yeah, we just celebrated in November a year clean of cutting. Yep.
0: Wow. And, well, congratulations. and so Congratulations. That's amazing.
1: We, yeah, we celebrated that. And I mean, if I can back up just a couple of places... As a parent, the day that um, hospitalization came was a pretty traumatic day. In fact, we just talked about this at therapy last night. Yeah. Like what that really meant as parents. You know, my husband and I, we both have degrees in social work. My, My husband was a licensed clinical social worker who, before we were officers, it was his job to go to the hospital when a teenager came in to assess. Their level of whether they needed to be hospitalized or not. So when we're standing in our house, we we kind of had a big explosion that day of emotions out of everybody. Dad showed emotions we've never seen mm-hmm. him. It scared everybody. It like threw us all oh, off. Oh yeah. Oh that yeah. Day. And and it literally was like, oh my gosh, how d- we are trained professionals in this? How did we miss it? Right. So we were feeling scared, failure, um, all like wrapped up in one. And then we go to the hospital. There was a couple days. I mean, mental health facilities are so overburdened right now. We spent five days just in a regular hospital room before they yeah. could get her place.
2: Wow. Oh yeah. I forgot to talk about that. Yeah. Oh Which my was, goodness. If yeah. we had a babysitter in the room, yeah, remember? the anticipation <laughs> was just like, there was a point where I was like, I feel so crazy right now. Like I feel I do feel like a person in a pad itself. Right. You know, because I, I like the sh- I didn't have a door on the bathroom. They took your shower curtain away. Uh-huh. And, yeah. And there was never a moment where it was just me and my mom.
1: No, yeah. yeah. We had like a
2: babysitter, we called her <laughs> in the room with us like twenty four hours a day. And, you know, like the anticipation of that was so bad. I my stomach hurt all the time. Yeah. Because yeah. Because of the anxiety and stress.
1: And then when they finally transferred you, I think it was more traumatizing for dad and I at that moment because oh, I
2: can imagine we get down
1: to the part of the facility where she was going to stay and we could hear, he was, he was a little boy on the other side of the door screaming. I want my mommy. I need help. And, and we're like, oh my gosh, we're leaving our baby yeah, here. Mm-hmm. What is going on here? It was Gosh, it's like a dream to look back at it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I
2: do want to say though that, like, from what I know, that that little kid, he was doing better by the time I got out. Praise the Lord. Yeah, (laughs)
0: yeah. He was experiencing all of those emotions out loud, you know, that you were internalizing while you were sitting in that room.
1: Yeah. So just the hospitalization piece alone was part of the story. But if we go back even more, another part of the story was that Hannah's counselor was really in tune with Hannah. And she said, you know, I really think that we could get on top of the anxiety. I think there might be some type of learning disability, ADHD or something like that. And so she got us in with a testing group, um, another therapist that specializes in that. On the day, that she got her diagnosis, we're sitting on the couch across from the therapist, and what did she say to me? She's like, you might have ADHD
2: too. Yeah, she's like, wow. Mom,
1: have you ever been tested? Oh my because goodness, I- that's good. <laughs> that's like, good. so sweet about <laughs> oh it. Gosh. And I was like, No, I've never been tested, but I don't think I need to <laughs> to know that I am ADHD. Right. I don't want to know, but. <laughs> Anybody who knows me is like, yeah, amen, hello. (laughs) Um, But it kind, but I then went and got tested, and so we've been walking the road of both being diagnosed with ADHD. So it really opened up conversation between us to be able to say, like, where we could. It was a connecting point where we can both say, "Gosh, I know what that feels like. Like, I can understand that." I felt that way before too. Yeah, where we could empathize. Yeah,
2: it was less of like before. It was more of like we're so similar. I hate you. Yes. And, and now it's like <laughs> now it's like we're so similar. Let's work together. Yeah.
1: Yes. Like, let's figure, yeah. That's a good way of putting it, Hannah. That's right.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: My husband will say so affectionately that he sees the best in each of us in each in each other. Like what he loves the most about me, he sees in Hannah too. And but it's those things that we're like, (laughs) let's kill each other. (laughs) I guess we're so alike, right, Hannah? But we're getting we're getting better. I mean it used to be fireworks between us. We couldn't have a conversation without a big blowout. And now just like even the other day, Hannah came to me with a situation that is so out of my like knowledge and comfort zone.
2: It was like a, like a girl, girl
1: drama. Girl drama. Uh, girl <laughs> no. drama. Uh. And so she was like talking to me about girl drama. And I'm like, Hannah, I have no capacity for girl drama, but I tried very hard to stay present. You did good. You did good. And at one point, Hannah wanted to shut down because I was not understanding, yeah. and I wasn't communicating well. And I was able to say, "Okay, I think I communicated wrong. Let me try again." Yeah. I rephrased it, and we were able to come back to the conversation yeah. where I think two years ago it would have been a big blowout.
2: Yeah, it would. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's it's more about just like learning to stay present. It it, it cost us extra energy because of our ADHD. It's been a learning process of how do we stay present in the conversation? How do we allow ourselves to maybe step out of the conversation for a minute, but bring ourselves back in so that we can stay present with one another? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know.
1: We've said a lot. Yeah. No, that's, that's what I'm so
0: good. Like all so much wisdom. And I, I hear as you're talking about it, listeners can't see it, but I can see your faces. And I can see that um that victory that now you have over some of these things and all of the the growing, the steps that it's taken you just to grow, just to get to where you are right now. I think that's amazing.
1: Yeah. And I want to be very clear. We still have so much more oh, yeah. that we need to do. Like oh, yeah. we're still in therapy. There is a lot of victory and we, we give ourselves high five a lot. we yeah, do. <laughs> <too. laughs> like we celebrate every They're little victories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's just, it's learning to, to give each other grace, mm-hmm. give ourselves grace to recognize we will not always get it right. But how do we then get back on track and not let the the moments where we didn't get it right to derail us completely and shut down, I think is like the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So let's get back on track of your story. Sorry.
2: I, yeah. I got put on anxiety medication, mm-hmm. which also... I need to destigmatize that too. Cause it's not something that's like, I'm a crazy person. I need to take my medication. Like it's, I think it's a normal thing to, to need a little bit of like a, a push. To, and, and it, it changed. It did. It changed our world. Yeah. yeah. And I wish
1: I, cause then I got on it too. We're actually on the same yeah. prescription and it just, I wish I would have had it years ago. Yeah. I wish I would have known because I think, I mean, even since Hannah was a really little girl, she had a hard time shutting down at night, and she would be up. Oh my gosh, we would be fighting with her till one o'clock, one thirty, two o'clock, because she just we didn't understand she couldn't shut down her body. But the medication helps you do that.
2: Yeah, it does. Because I think I think it's like it's not only helping a little bit of the ADHD to calm down, but I think it's also. You know, it mostly helps the anxiety, which is like, oh, what if the door's not locked? What if, you know, somebody comes in and like, what would I grab to to defend myself? You are speaking <laughs>
0: like,
1: to my
2: heart, right?
0: I feel attacked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: yeah. You are not alone. Thank
2: you. Yeah. So those thoughts would be racing through my head, but but when... I feel like when I started to take the medication for anxiety, it was also like uh, symptoms of ADHD lessened. And it was, I go to sleep fine now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're able
1: to manage and cope. Yeah. When your ADHD has a flare up. Yeah. When there's a There's something that comes along. You're able to work your way through it a lot better. I think between the medication and the coping skills you've learned at therapy, all of those are coming together, I think. Yeah.
2: And I think, I mean, like just today... I had, like, missing work that that I didn't take the time to do over the weekend. It was, like, really stressful. And then I got to school, and we have, like, every other day we have, like, a study period. And thank goodness that we had it this day because it, they, they, like, saved me. And I, I spent the whole time, like, getting my work done, and and I got a lot of it done. Yeah. So what's crazy about ADHD is
1: that like the symptoms? It's like you, it makes you do things, then compounds your anxiety. So, for example, we've learned that a really common sign is procrastination and filling the gap with like other things. Until it's too late. Well, now you're anxious because you've (laughs) progressed. And is that, that's, you're relating to that? You feel that?
3: I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I have no relation to this whatsoever. I am perfect in every single way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So so then you have the ADHD that it's compounded by the anxiety because of what the ADHD, you know. And so it like, is this like. Cycle that just gets you in bound up and wound up. So it's learning coping skills. Of, first of all, how do you prevent yourself from getting to that situation? What are systems you can put into place to prevent yourself from getting there? But in the most likely chance that you are sometimes going to get to that place. Then how do we bring ourselves down out of the anxiety attack, the snowball thinking? Because it can quickly get out of control of... To everybody else, it's a minor thing. But us, it goes from a minor thing to a very catastrophic thing in a very short amount of time. And then all of a sudden, you can't breathe. And you're asking yourself questions. And like, gosh, I... If I can't even get this straight, then why is it worth living here on Earth? Like, it, that's how fast it can speed Escalate. out of control. And so it's learning to stop that snowball before it gets to the catastrophic bits. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting there. Yeah. Both of us. Yeah. We win some we lose some. It's a
0: process. And and Taryn's going to share her story in just a minute, but... It's not like it just goes away, you know, it's, it's right. still there, but you just need to put the right tools, like you were saying into practice and the right methods that, you know, work for you into place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think too, part of the destigmatization mm-hmm. <laughs> of it is understanding too, that a, a diagnosis of that kind, which is hard, it's hard for a parent to, receive that for a child. Um, It's hard for us as an individual to receive that for ourselves. We think that it's like this stamp of shame or something that's automatically put onto us. And I like to think about it that it doesn't have to define us, but it should inform us. Yes. Right? Like it doesn't, that is not my defining identity. I don't have to stand and say, Hi, I'm Heather and I have ADHD. Right, right. Right? That is not a defining factor of who I am, but it absolutely informs who I am. It does help explain patterns of behavior and how I can navigate those patterns of behavior and how can I redeem some of those patterns of behavior to become an asset and not a detriment. So it's not an identifier, but it is an informer of who we are and, and how we can thrive in that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Hannah, You've also had the opportunity. I think you've had a couple times where you've had friends that have shown warning symptoms.
2: Yeah. Was our last oh, that's right, where a friend had shown symptoms of suicidal ideation and self harm, and so we got her help, and she's doing way better. Right, job.
1: like you, right away knew the symptoms, and you spoke to an you spoke to safe adults. And what I would have to say I'm really proud of you about is that you were able to navigate that without bringing that on to your own. You were able to say, you're not alone. I've been there. We want to get you help. But you didn't join her in what was happening, which is huge for somebody who's walking the journey yourself. That is huge. Good job, Hannah. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well (laughs) done. Well done, you. Thank you. So. Taryn, you have experienced, uh, I wouldn't, as I was listening to Hannah share her experiences, a lot of memories were coming back. Yeah. Um, for us, it's, your story is definitely unique to you. So can you just tell us just a little bit of the things that you went through now almost three years ago?
3: Um, so to preface this, um, I talk to myself a lot. I have this whole, like, inner dialogue that happens in my head where I'm just like, oh, Taryn, we're going to do this now. Oh, hey, Taryn, we're not going to do that because that's a bad idea. We're going to go walk the other way now. (laughs) Like, I I talk to myself as I go through my day-to-day life. Um, Does your inner dialogue have an accent? (laughs) Okay. Sometimes. (laughs) I like it. I like it. it. Because it makes the journey more fun.
2: Nice.
3: It's, I, I recommend it. So, um, but what happens when your inner dialogue is negative and tells you that like all the people in your life who like say that they love you, they don't. They pity you. And that's the reason why they're in your life. It's because they feel pity towards you. And they don't actually want to be in your life because you're annoying, because you are worthless. And that was a big portion of my inner dialogue for a while just telling me that i was nothing and that i didn't deserve the people in my life and i fed into those lies because i was i was terrified of pride so to ensure that i wasn't feeling pride i would just feed into the lies i would just be like well it's easier to believe them because I don't want to be prideful because of it. And I, because I was so terrified, I didn't see, instead of pushing away pride, I was pushing away confidence. Mm. Wow. But like in my head, I just conceived confidence and pride is the same thing. Mm. So I was just like, well, I can't be confident in myself at all. Or like I can't be happy with myself because if I'm not, I'm being prideful. If I'm not, then... I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a Christian as just like as a person like I'm not being a good person if I'm happy with myself Mm. and then the the thoughts got a little more drastic I would often tell myself things like you shouldn't be here anymore and you should go do some not nice things to yourself Mm. like hurt yourself and I was never going to do it in those regards, but I definitely told myself, you, you should go do this because you're a terrible person. Well, um, you would sometimes do a
0: form of self-harm. I would. You know, like hitting yourself with a brush, um, you know, those kinds of things. But thankfully, it didn't escalate, you know, any further than that. But
3: yeah. And like, you know, sometimes the thoughts, they just get loud <laughs> in your head and... It's just, it's hard to like beat yourself up and you can't really run from yourself. You're always kind of right there. You're your own worst bully. Yeah. So, um, and then like one day I was just, I was kind of done with it. Like I was just like, man, this is, this isn't a good time. I'm going to go to my mom. It, that was a very scary moment for me. Yeah.
0: Um, Cause you were in sixth grade at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Hannah knows, so you were, you were nine when your thing started,
3: right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we like we we talked about it for a while, we monitored it, and then we got some help. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a lovely therapist now. She's very nice. I love her a lot. Mm-hmm. And that was just the biggest help for me because I learned that, oh, I can solve my own problems. I just need to, someone to listen to them first. And that's when we really kind of doubled down. And I learned that, like, it's really important for you to, like, figure some things out on your own. Like, have a little independence because, like, you can't just... Like, sometimes you got to stand up and you got to walk yourself because otherwise you will make no progress. So you so you mean you're taking charge of your mental health
0: yeah. as part of the process? Yeah. Part of the healing process? Yeah.
1: So you what, what I think I hear you saying is that... It's more than just talking to somebody. It's learning the coping skills so that when they aren't readily available or immediately available to you, you have the skill to get through that on your own without needing somebody Mm -hmm. immediately. Exactly. So like if you are alone at night and your therapist isn't just like (laughs) one call away in the middle of the night you've learned a skill that will get you at least through the night in a safe way until the morning or until the next time you're, it is able to talk to somebody.
3: Did I exactly, hear that right? Yes, exactly. Okay. And that's not to say that like, you can't have someone be a crutch with you mm, mm-hmm. as you walk, but mm-hmm. you got to walk. Yeah. Um, and I had to learn that. And now it's not that cause sometimes my inner dialogue is still there. It's in, like, my, like, I don't hear it anymore. Mm -hmm. You're still here, but you're not in control of me anymore. Yes. Like, I, like, I see you, like, you're fine, whatever. But you don't dictate what I do anymore. Mm -hmm. You don't dictate who I am anymore. That is defined by God and the other people around me who, like, lift me up. And that's not to say that, like, Like, I'm perfect now. Like, I don't need to grow anymore. I absolutely have to grow. And I learned that it's not as bad as I first perceived it to be of like, if I make one little mistake, I am automatically just a terrible person. Yeah. But so just from a
0: mom's perspective, um, when you first came to me with this, I was shocked because you were the kid who had had it together. Your dad and I were not worried about you. We were more worried about your brother <laughs> than we were about you just because your brother is more internal. He is an introvert. And so he doesn't express his feelings. And for us, it's hard to draw that out of him. But for you, you always would wear your heart on your sleeve. So we, you never expressed any of this to us. We never knew anything was really wrong until you came to us. And it, you had been dealing with it for a while quietly. Mm -hmm. And so it was so out of character for you to do that. And so when you first came to to us, I was shocked and scared. But immediately we started praying about it. And your dad and I, we sought help ourselves. You know, like, what do we do with this? Where do we go from there? It wasn't just about getting you help, but your dad and I had to wrap our brains around, okay, how could, what do we need to do as parents to figure this out? It just was, it was a growing experience, I feel like, for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I've seen you grow leaps and bounds, things that would have destroyed you two or three years ago now come along. And yeah, they're they're hard things, yeah. you know, but you now know the steps that you need to take in order to deal with them. And you you don't just throw in the towel and give up. You know, mm-hmm. okay, I can do this or I can get through this, or this is what I need to do to get through this you're so open with us you come in you talk to us about it and that's that's a key thing too is communication mm-hmm. in all of this i feel like the the lines of communication have to remain open and your dad and i have to remain available to you to talk about this stuff and not be afraid of it because mm-hmm. there was a there was a time if you remember where your dad was scared yeah he didn't know how to help you and he didn't know how to express it 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 was it became real for us we were scared but the the important thing is, is that you know how to communicate with us and we know how to communicate with you. I now know what triggers you. Yeah. Like the things that if it's brought up immediately, I'm like, are you OK? Mm-hmm. So um, it has just been a huge eye opening um, experience for me. But you are just self-conf- amazing. your self-confidence has grown so yeah. much. I can't
3: even believe it. It's just really, really great. I've grown so much. Like, whenever something, like, really anxiety-inducing, like, just comes my way, I just have so many, so much of a variety of coping mechanisms, like, breathing, writing things down, and, um, essential oils, big one of mine, and, like...
2: Yeah, I relate to that.
3: Yeah. Peppermint's (laughs) my favorite.
2: Um, I learned when I was in, like, the outpatient, they taught us about, like, matching your, um, like, your physical feeling. Experience. To, to your mental experience in a way that won't hurt you. So matching it, but not in like a harmful, like a self-harm yeah. way. Right. So we learned about like the push, push, pull, release method, method, where it's like you push down on something, you pull up on it, and then you just like relax. Or like um, the ice cube. The ice cube is my absolute favorite, where you will like get an ice cube and just like squeeze it. I love it. Really tight. And it distracts you and it's like, how long can I hold on to this ice cube before I have to just <laughs> it's like, like a not do it anymore? Yeah. And and we even did yeah, we even did like a like a thing where where we had a competition how long we could sit like wall sit. <laughs> yeah. And um well I won, no big <laughs> deal, but I did it. M B D nice. Um <laughs> Yeah, I relate to that. And I even keep like a like a bag of Jolly Ranchers by my bed in case I'm feeling like super stressed out and I'm just like, oh, it's like a comfort to so, you know, the blues are the best, obviously. <laughs> so, cool. like, let's have a blue the Jolly, blue Jolly? Yeah. No, the green. Ew. I'm no. I'm
3: a red. Red. The red. Oh, green.
1: green. Blue. You guys are yeah. crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Um <laughs> Sorry, we've totally commented out your story No
3: <laughs> so yeah, um, I've really just learned that like it's interesting now because I look back and I'm just like, huh, I'm a much happier person now that I can be happy for myself. Yes, yeah. like I can like I can now say with confidence, it's okay for me to do things for me. I don't always have to wear a mask for people because and I still struggle with this today where I wear the mask of being like I'm okay I'm great I'm doing perfectly fine like I still we all do yeah
0: we all do and I don't I just don't want to get into it you know like I don't want to explain it
3: yeah or like I don't feel like crying right now so I'm gonna cry at home and I've learned I've really just learned that it's okay to say you're not okay mm-hmm. and it's okay to say like i'm not okay i need to do something for me you have changed so much through all of this something with it's just i'm just a happier person now than i originally was and i can now help other people yeah. because of the stuff that i walked through i can now help other people and try to be there for them because of my perspective and it's important to know that if you're someone who like really wants to be there for people and wants to like like hear their story hear their perspective if you're leaning on like a foundation that isn't that is crumbling like you're both gonna fall down and it's not anybody else's fault it's just the fact that we both weren't taking care of ourselves Mm -hmm. and it's it's important to know that like like, you said the mental health thing at the beginning. Like, it's, like, where you are at. Because, okay. like, yep. Hannah, you were at a completely different spot. Like, my low was a completely different spot than your low. Right. Mm-hmm. But they were still, like, lows. And they were still, like, terrible things. And mental health isn't, like... We think negative. It's a bad thing. Exactly. And yeah, like there is such thing as good mental health because it's like it's a spectrum of where you're at. And perspective always matters. If I drop a pencil down in a drain, you could be like, well, Taryn, it's just a pencil. You're going to live. But I could be like, no, that was my favorite pencil. My grandpa (laughs) gave that to me before he died. It could mean so much to me and mean nothing to you, but perspective matters. And that's why it's this whole, it's like multiple spectrums that is mental health. And there's so many layers. Yeah. And yeah. You
1: said some really key things that I think are important. One of the things that you said was, if you yourself are not in a good space, it's hard to help others. And I will tell you in Hannah and I's story, that really resonates because When she was at the height of, when everything came to a head for her, I was suffering myself. And so it was real, my cup was empty and it was hard for me to be in that space with Hannah because I had nothing to give. I had nothing to offer to to her. And once I was able to come out on the other side, I really had to come to terms as a parent that I, I couldn't be available for my daughter, not in the way that she needed me. And there was guilt there. There is guilt that I have still had to daily give over to the Lord yeah. and say, Lord, help me forgive myself for that. Right. Um, help me not carry shame in that. Um, I hate that. I hate shame is such that is, it's like, I have to rebuke that in the name of Jesus because it's that's the straight worst. From Satan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. The worst. Yeah, and so I, I I think that was so wise of what you had to say on that and an un, un, understanding that I couldn't be there, but we made it through and I can forgive myself for that. And thankfully, thank the Lord, we had other people, my husband, a good therapist, though, those were all in place that could fill the gap where I couldn't.
2: Yeah, I also just like, I am so thankful for people who like supported me through it all and never said you're crazy. You're like you're faking, or cause cause you know I was already telling myself that. Yes. So it was right. like the people who who told me the opposite, who told me your feelings are valid, who who got me help. I will like forever be thankful. Like every little person in the hospital, every every little thing was so so important especially like you know when you when you like take time out of your day you make it your career to like help people I think that is something that's so important Mm -hmm. and I will always be thankful for it yeah I think
1: I think it's important for people who've not been on a road of mental health uh, Taryn was saying that it's true. It is a spectrum. Just because we say mental health doesn't mean it's negative. right? Um, so I, I guess let me rephrase what I'm saying. For somebody who's not struggled um, coming from a low place of mental health, it's easy to dismiss that or to say things out of their own uncomfort, right? Like I remember when I was in the height of my suicidal ideation, somebody who loves me very, very much and wouldn't hurt a flea in their desperation said, that's a sin. And instead of being helpful to me, I thought, oh my gosh, I can't even make God happy. Like I can't make anybody happy, even in my death. I cannot make somebody happy. And it, it wasn't a nefarious thing that they were trying to say. It wasn't, they weren't trying to hurt me. It was, they really had concern for my, my eternal salvation. And But it's those things that we say, I think, out of our own discomfort and out of our own understanding of our faith. Um, And I think it's just a good practice to, like, wait and ask yourself in the wait, W-A-I-T, why am I talking? What am I saying? Is it important for me? What is it really? Do I really need to be saying something right now? But I think that that's what happens with somebody who just cannot comprehend or understand because they've not struggled with that. Right. So instead of being dismissive or saying something to just maybe just don't say anything or just say, you know, I am so sorry. Let me, I'm going to pray for you and leave it at that. Yeah. And I, I
0: completely agree with that. I'm a, I'm an empath. (laughs) I am a I I feel things for others so incredibly deeply, but until I walked this road I, I really did not have a clue as to how to even like be an empath to someone who's struggling yeah. with mental illness until you walk it. You don't really, you, yeah. it's not fully understandable. Like my eyes have been opened even more walking through all of this. And you're absolutely right. Our words are powerful. We do not know what someone is going through. We can't walk into a room and assume that everyone is mentally okay. Yeah. You know, you have to assume that everyone's on their own path and they're all dealing with other things that we don't know about. We might never know about. That's right. And so, yeah, our words are impactful and and they're important and it's important when not to use them too. I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah oh man, this is all really good stuff. (laughs) I know that there's people listening out there right now who needed to hear the things that we've talked about today. And you know what? Even if for any other reason than to just know that they're not alone. Yeah. Like that's a huge, a huge thing. Okay, so I just want to take a little time to wrap up um, and I'm going to ask each of you an individual question for you to answer. And Taryn, you've already answered your question a little bit, but you can talk about it again. Okay, so... Captain Heather, what is the most important thing that you've learned through all of this?
1: Oh, that's a very good question. I think that there has to be space for conversation without judgment. that's, That's been the biggest piece. And again, it all goes back to our faith. I think mental health in our faith tradition, I I can, I don't even know if that's fair to say, but I just think in general, we often connect that if you just had enough faith, then you wouldn't feel this way, which then, even if that's not at the forefront of your mind, it does shape conversations that you have. It does Mm -hmm. shape how you listen to people and holding intention your faith and your understanding, and what the other person is experienced, and their reality and their lived experience, and joining them without—I I have to ground myself always in the Book of Psalms because David is like says some really crazy things, right? <laughs> and he's like, "Why, God?" This it, like I, sometimes I read in my head that he's like just going off on God. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I read that because I feel better about myself. Um, but it's like allowing space for that conversation and understanding that God is also in that space. And I, and I don't immediately have to respond with a biblical platitude. It's not platitude. There's the Holy spirit is going to take, take care of that. I don't have to immediately respond with something like for Hannah, like I I want to respond right away and say, but this is what God wants. That wasn't helpful to her. That, that was a judgment for her when she's questioning her own, her own beliefs and understanding. I needed to just wait and just let, allow the Holy Spirit to move in that. Um, I, I don't know if I've, People might, rattle. I might have riled some feathers with what I just said. Saying Bible verses is not empty platitudes. That no, is not what I no, mean no, to no. say. <laughs> no, I, that's I
0: just, not what I heard. That's not okay. what I heard. Yeah.
1: It's just offering spaces where I can listen without immediately jumping to solving or judging or um, I, I don't have to solve that. That That is the Holy Spirit. I just have to be faithful in that.
0: Yes. Good. All right, Taryn, what's a practical tool that you often use to get through something that might be triggering or difficult for you?
3: The biggest one that I use today is breathing and something called, um, I think it's like a vectoral nerve or something. But basically, if you like yawn, it'll like trigger a relaxing nerve. Oh. Or if you rub um, <laughs> like kind of like beside your ears, it also yeah yeah like that mm. it will tr- what nobody can see is that we're all know, not trying exactly it. exactly <laughs> behind your ears um yeah like if you rub that it triggers that nerve and it calms you down because like life is exhausting and sometimes you just need to relax and like i'll do that when i'm sitting at my desk at school or in like some place where i'm feeling triggered like i'll calm myself down i'll breathe. And then I'm able to talk myself through it. And if it's, like, really bad, then I have essential oils and I can write things down somewhere. And, like, those are the main stuff. Yeah,
1: that's so good.
0: That's great advice. Good. Okay, Hannah, what advice would you give to someone who's listening right now who may be going through something similar that you went through?
2: I think... Well, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that I could say, I could go on and on. Mm-hmm. But I think that, uh, you know, if, if my grown up self was talking to my little self, I think I would choose to say that, like, whatever you're feeling is valid. It's not something that you're faking. Like, if you feel it, you're feeling it. And there's no shame in saying help. Yes. And it, it's scary. It's, like I will validate it is scary to ask for help. But I think that the first step is what led me to become the person I am. And you know, I'm so much more proud of myself now.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's great advice. Because and a lot of times we think, You know, there's shame with asking for help uh, because they're just going to think I'm being overdramatic or whatever, whatever it is. Well, that is not the case. Always ask for help. That's great advice. Really, really good. Okay, so Heather or Hannah can answer this question. How has your faith changed through your experience?
2: I think that I mean, there's definitely been a lot of hard times with my faith one of the like uh, popular question that pops up in my head is like, well, why would God allow this to happen to me? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. But I think that I've learned so much and I've grown so much that like, there's a silver lining. And that silver lining is God working. And you know, I'm not saying that that god makes the bad stuff happen so you become stronger but i think that when the bad stuff happens god like molds it
1: yeah oh that'll preach i love that
2: (laughs) i
0: love
3: that that core officer blood running strong right now (laughs) we need to put that on something we slap it on a (laughs) t-shirt
0: yeah
1: that's good yeah and I think you said earlier, too, is that it's there is space within faith to ask questions. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, you've learned that that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Like, there's... Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that, like, as a community, not just in the Salvation Army, or not just, like, in our small little corner of the world, I think, like, as a whole community, church... As Christians, we need to work on accepting those questions when we are asked them. Like as core officers, I know that a lot of young kids growing up being Christian would love to have like a core officer be there to not judge mm-hmm. and you know not be scared to have a discussion. And I think like us as a church community need to need to work on you know being accepting to those questions. Yeah, that's uh what I was saying at the beginning, that biblical hospitality,
1: safe spaces to work in the nitty-gritty, to to work on that stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. And just be available. Like we were saying before, you don't have to fix everything, you know, but if if you just allow that space to be available to listen, um, man, how many times I could have used that growing up. That's really, really good. Heather, Hannah, Taryn. Thank you all for coming on our podcast today and sharing your stories. I say this with every podcast, but that was brave. You made yourself vulnerable today, but there's bravery, so much bravery and vulnerability.
3: Yeah, we're awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's true.
0: I am just, I'm grateful you've, you made space. You made space for our listeners today to really think. And I know that there are people listening out there who are identifying with the things that we talked about today. And I'm so grateful for you both, for all three of you.
1: Uh, Thank you. We're grateful that you've allowed a space for this. Yeah. We're hoping and praying that sharing a bit of our story will um, open up some healing conversations for other families. Yes.
0: Yes. Thank you for that. This has been a great start to our series. I have a lot to process, as I'm sure you do as well. And listeners, if anything you heard today was difficult or triggering, please reach out to someone to talk. If you don't have anyone that you feel comfortable sharing with or you feel unsafe in any way, you can call the National Crisis and Suicide Hotline by just dialing the numbers 988-988. You can also find additional free resources on the National Alliance for Mental Illness website at NAMI, N-A-M-I dot org. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of the Salvation Army Central Territory Women's Ministries Department. And as always, I hope that this podcast has left you feeling prepared and equipped for tomorrow. And I'll see you real soon. God bless y'all.